become my pretties. Please do come inside, grab a beer, and have a seat, because things are about to get spooky. Hello and welcome back to The Spook Inn. I'm your host, Saf, and this is the show where I drink beer and talk about horror movies. Today on the show, I'm drinking Pimp My Sleigh from Fathead Brewery, and I'm spooking with Santa. All right, as I said, I've got Fathead's Pimp My Sleigh. It's a it's a Belgian-style Christmas ale. It says, over the river and through the woods to this rich, complex Belgian-style holiday brew. Intricate aromas and flavors of sweet, dark malt, dark fruit, raisins, figs, anise, and spicy fennels. This beer will sting the toes and bite the nose, but no worries, the horse knows the way. Food pairings, pails pairings, goose, venison, vanilla ice cream. Ooh, that'd be good. I haven't tasted it yet, but I just imagine that would be great. All right, on this can we have a nice purpley black night sky in the background we got our little friend the fat head um kind of down lower center he's got he's got kind of like those new year's glasses on that are all bedazzled uh fake santa beard and a santa hat but the santa hat looks to be purple with like silvered spots and the poof ball on the end is a disco ball very eye-catching and i like the I mean, it's Pimp My Sleigh, so it's kind of like a uh, gangster, like, rap-looking guy. Kind of X to the Z, pimped him out. He's also got, a like, a diamond earring pierced. Yeah, diamond earring in his ear. Handcrafted, unfiltered, pour slowly. I did those things. And then on the other side, it says, chill out, man. Have a beer. And with Matt, Chris, and Glenn, so they must be the brewers there. Uh, I did not mention it's 10%, 10.5% ABV and 30 IBUs. Oh, and 30 is 30 days of night on our geek reference. As for the color of the beer, it's kind of a brownish red. It's a dark, really dark color, but it's got like hints of red to it, like a, a bl- blood, dried bloody Santa suit. Um, it's probably around like the Daredevil costume, but maybe a slight darker the gates to Jurassic Park, maybe. That's like a 40, so it's somewhere in that area. Dark brown with hints of red. Smell-wise, you get those ba- Belgian notes, and there's also those spices that they were warning us about. Slight raisiny. Oh, what else did it say? Dark fruits, so like the raisins, the plums, that sort of thing. There's also like a little bit of a sweetness to it. There's those spices, but there's a little bit of a sweet smell. So I guess that's the sweet dark malts. Because it's malty, but they're sweeter, just based on the smell. But I'm excited to taste this, boy. Ooh, wow, that is strong. That 10%, 10.5% is no joke. Right off the bat, you can taste that alcohol. It's also been aged for a while. I think uh, maybe Keith or Pale brought these last year, and I they had them on one of our Christmas episodes last year. So I've been aging this a while, so I think the alcohol's probably gotten stronger, for late, uh, at least flavor-wise, uh, over the past year. But I had to save it for this episode. Yeah, all those sweet flavors, those spices, those fruits are really nice. It's just that it's clearly going to fuck me up. It, the alcohol is strong. Ooh, buddy. As I sip on this, let me check out Untapped, see what's going on over there. There are 17.5 thousand check-ins with a 3.79 average. I got those friends. I told you that checked it in. 
We got our friend Chris Leland. He said, had a friend send this my way. Very tasty. Love this one. He had it in a bottle back in 2016. Wow. And he gave it a five. Give it another five. Still in a bottle. Um, All right. Here's Pale from December 2020. So last year, 2022. Unique, but a little off in my opinion. Not feeling the heavy amount of dark fruit and wish more of the spices came through. 325. And then my friend Keith, who you also know from the podcast, he had a different opinion. He said... A unique beer for sure. Belgian flavor comes through, but the spices and malts overpower the rest. A multi-Belgian that needs to be sipped, otherwise you'll hit the floor. Totally agree. He gave it a 4. And James R. gave it a 4.75. Now to the non-friends, see if anybody else has anything good to say. Not seeing many comments. There's, there's a, in some wide range of scores, ranging from 4 to 2. Sarah said, such a good take on a Belgian Christmas ale and gave it a four and a half. The next person gave it a two, but no comment. Then I got a four to 25 and then a 0.5. No comments, but this is just how this is. People either love it or hate it. It's kind of divisive. Uh, Michael says, Michael S. Dark fruit Belgian, perhaps a bit more muddled in fruit flavors after being neglected in the cellar for 17 months. Still evokes fruitcake and brandy and gave it a four. Wow. Hit it. They nailed it. Like, I wasn't thinking fruitcake and brandy, but now that they say it, it's clear. That's kind of flavors I'm getting. Like those raisins, those kind of like dried fruits more. A little bit of sweetness from the malts and the spices. Yeah, fruitcake. And then the alcohol flavor. The Belgian beer, that, that kind of does taste like a brandy. James N., wonderfully fruity, malty, and spicy. Very smooth and flavorful. Four and a half. The B., Oh, fuck. I thought I told myself no more Christmas, but this, it's so damn good. They gave it a five. Not finding anything else really good. I don't think I'm going to top that brandy fruitcake flavor uh, one. So uh, I guess I'll just check it in and give you my final thoughts. All right. I said, whoever said brandy fruitcake nailed it. I don't remember the guy's name that said that in the previous check-in, but 100% agree. And uh, I also go on to say extremely boozy, but with interesting and unique Christmas flavors that keep me coming back for more. And I gave it a four out of five. I agreed with Keith on the score. And yeah, you do. You're going to want to drink this slowly, sip on it for a while and not. I already put down quite a bit of it, so I have to take a break for a moment. But I really like that fruity, spicy cake flavor, whatever it is, the sweet dark malts those dark fruits and uh i'm i'm a fan of brandy i make brandy slush every now and then during the summer and uh i just really enjoy that maybe my favorite flavor of hard alcohol over like the rums and the the uh vodkas and the gins and stuff i'd I'd take a nice little brandy snifter or sifter or whatever they're called and be happy with that so i'm really enjoying this beer I'm actually going to bump it up to a 425 after <laughs> after saying that. Uh, I mean, I'm actually going to bump it up to a four and a half after saying that because I really like it a lot. Santa Claus is Now, this episode is going to be a little different because instead of focusing on one horror franchise, I'm exploring the subgenre of killer Santa movies or just like horror movies set on 
Christmas with the Christmas vibes. Uh, I was going to save this topic for season two. That's right. A season two is in the works, uh, uh, possibly if we do get picked up. I have ideas. But after doing my research for Halloween, the franchise that inspired so many slasher films, and learning that it itself was inspired by Black Christmas from 1974, I knew I had to cover that movie and other Santa slasher films as well. Film scholars Chris Vander Kay and Kathleen Fernandez Vander Kay explained the holiday horror subgenre as such. The expression adding insult to injury is an excellent encapsulation of the motivation behind the horror movie obsession with holidays. Aside from the obvious desire to brand a killer with a theme and costume that can be revisited many times within a lucrative film franchise. The holiday is a place for happiness and family. The horror movie loves nothing more than irony, except perhaps a good death scene. And there is very little more ironic than the fear of isolation of a horror movie taking place right in the middle of the festivities. Since there's no franchise overview to give or timeline to explain, I'm just going to jump straight into my rankings and then explain the movies one by one as I go. All right, now starting at the bottom of my list, we have Santa's Sleigh from 2005. Bill Goldberg plays the devil's son who lost a wager with an angel and was forced to spend 1,000 years playing Santa. But now the wager has ended and good old Santa isn't so joyful anymore. He makes up for lost time and starts to kill people. Now this movie is absolutely dreadful. Uh, Some truly terrible acting filled with abysmal writing and just a couple of decent fight scenes from the professional wrestler Goldberg. I watched it last Christmas and I don't remember a single thing from it. I just remember how awful it was and I'll never watch it again. So don't watch that one. Really stay away from that one. Number nine on my list is Don't Open Till Christmas from 1984. A murderer is running loose through the streets of London, hunting down men dressed as Santa and killing them all in different and extremely violent fashions. Inspector Harris has decided to take on the unenviable task of tracking down the sociopath or psychopath. Some say psychopath. I say sociopath. But he's going to have his work cut out for him. Only the suspicious reporter Giles seems to offer the inspector any promising leads. The directing is bad, acting is terrible, editing is atrocious, and picture quality is poor at best. But the story is interesting, kills are passable, and the music is also okay. I cannot recommend this movie, but if you put it on during the allowed adult Christmas party, it would probably catch some eyes. It's uh, very British, a lot of different accents, so that's interesting because I think that's the only movie, uh, British movie on this list. Now, number eight on my list is All Through the House from 2015. All Through the House is an 80s-style slasher film featuring a deranged Santa slayer who rips through the town of Napa, California, 
for some Yuletide terror. Fifteen years ago, a peaceful Christmas neighborhood was engulfed by fear when five-year-old Jamie Garrett was mysteriously taken from her bedroom, never to be seen again. Now on Christmas break, Rachel Kimmel comes home from college to find her neighborhood struck again by a reign of terror. A violent killer is hiding behind a grizzly Santa mask, leaving a bloody trail of slaughtered women and castrated men to the steps of the Garrett house. Rachel finds herself in a horrifying nightmare as she discovers the twisted secrets behind the mask. Yes, the acting is crap and there is almost no story to follow. It seems to be the introduction of one random couple after another followed by Santa showing up and killing them. The only thing this movie has going for it is a cool killer costume with an interesting weapon that gets used in cool ways. He's got like hedge clippers that he's jamming in people in different ways and cutting things off. So I like that aspect. I just wish there was the this weapon was a little bit more Christmassy, like big scissors that are used for wrapping paper or something, not like hedge clippers. <laughs> That's not really something known for Christmas. That's more of a summer tool anyway. So aside from that, yeah, it's it's not a great movie, but there's definitely something there and I didn't hate it too much. The acting's pretty bad, but most of these low-budget slasher-type movies do have pretty bad acting. And that's kind of a draw, maybe, sometimes, just to laugh at. Number seven is a movie called Better Watch Out from 2016. When you think suburbs, you think safety. But this holiday night, suburbs are anything but safe. Ashley thought this babysitting job would be an easy night, but the night takes a turn when dangerous intruders break in and terrorize her and Luke, the 12-year-old she's watching. Ashley defends her charge to the best of her ability, only to discover this is no normal home invasion. It's uh, not very Christmassy, more Christmessy. <laughs> the boy is kind of shitty from the beginning, which makes the mid-movie twist a little less satisfying, as is the he's-just-nuts excuse for his actions. So, uh, spoiler alert, uh, for all these movies, obviously, I'm going to talk about the plots. But this one, you find out about half hour or more into the movie that the 12-year-old boy that is being babysat is actually the brains behind this home invasion operation. And he's trying to well, tie up his babysitter and basically convince her to have sex with him. It's really gross. I don't like this kid. He, he's been in other stuff. I recognize him, but uh, he's really shitty in this movie, as I said, and like, I don't like the kind of rapey nature of the whole plot. It, it is an interesting twist, uh, but it's not interesting enough to make the movie likable or any of the characters that interesting. I wish it was more just a straightforward Home Alone type movie, but with actual murdering and scary stuff rather than just some goofy people stepping on nails and getting hit with paint cans. There is a paint can thing in this movie that's pretty cool, but aside from that, the that just the whole plot is a little annoying. All these little shithead bastard kids. Number six on my list is A Christmas Horror Story from 2015. High school students investigate a mysterious homicide that occurred the prior holiday season. The couple notices their young son is acting strangely after a snowy forest trip to cut down a traditional tree. And one family are stalked through a winter wonderland by Krampus the Xmas Demon. Meanwhile, at the North Pole, Santa is fending off zombie elves. So, a little confusing, that's like four different movies. It's like an anthology movie, but it's tied together weirdly. Yeah. You'll see what I mean in a second. Here's my review. It's not a bad movie, but there is too much shit going on. 
changelings, Krampus, zombie elves. If they just picked one idea and stuck with that or made it an anthology with a few different horror stories, it would have made a better film. Cutting back and forth between these mostly unrelated stories isn't easy to follow at first. You eventually catch on like halfway through, but do like a normal anthology and tell one story at a time rather than jumbling them all up would be so much better. I bet the original idea was to have William Shatner as the radio host introduce each story, but maybe he probably refused to say his lines because he seems to be doing his own thing the whole time and just, he's like a call-in radio, or I don't even know if he has call-in, I can't remember if there's people, I think there might be one or two people calling in, but mostly he's just in a booth talking in like a radio DJ, but he's just saying nothing and he's like talking to people off screen and that you never even see and it's just pretty he's got a lot of funny lines but it doesn't really lead to anything it seems like he should be telling the story that we're about to see but since he's not doing that it's just kind of randomly thrown in throughout the film just like everything else number five on my list is to all a good night from 1980 it's christmas break at calvin finishing school for girls and the students are planning a big party while the president of the school is away a group of boys show up and the fun begins until a mysterious killer starts bumping off couples one by one the police show up and promise to keep everyone safe but they prove ineffectual against the crazed psycho could the killing have anything to do with the girl who was killed in an institution stunt at the school year a few years earlier i would assume so why would you add that to the end uh my review another christmas classic the quality is pretty poor, but there are enough unique kills and thrills to make this a fun watch. The movie is also slow at points, but the characters are interesting enough to keep you invested. Number four on my list is Christmas Evil. Widely recognized as the best of the Christmas horror efforts, Christmas Evil is the story of a boy who loves Christmas. He is scared as a boy when he learns that Santa is not real. Throughout the rest of his life, the toy maker tries to make the Christmas spirit a reality. He becomes obsessed with the behavior of children and the quality of the toys he makes. When he is met with hypocrisy and cynicism, the resulting snap causes him to go on a yuletide killing spree to complete this dark comedic horror. Again, bad acting, uh, low quality visuals, but overall I liked the, we're following this character, we're following the serial killer the whole time and seeing his motive, like it's from a different perspective from most of these movies if not all of them where we're just our lead character is the villain and we see him at, so the inciting incident is he sees his dad going down dressed as santa going down on his mom on christmas and that's how he learns that santa is not real the way i read it was and i obviously I'm probably wrong, but he sees his dad having, as Santa, having sex with his mom or whatever, and believes that his dad is Santa. Santa's real, and his dad is Santa. So he becomes a toy maker. He thinks at some point in his life he's going to take over as Santa. I don't know why I thought this was the plot when I was watching it, but uh, he eventually he he's going to go in the family business and take over for his dad as santa so he becomes a toy maker just to be kind of in the business so he knows when he goes to the north pole i, I don't know maybe that would be a better movie or maybe it would have been really dumb but that was my take on it number three on my list is silent night deadly night from 1984 after seeing his parents murdered in front of him a young boy billy spends most of his life in an orphanage where he is abused by mother superior 
when it, he becomes a teenager, he gets a job as a toy store Santa. When seeing two people having sex in the store brings a flashback of his parents, his turmoil leads him to become a Santa serial killer. This one's just a dumb, fun one. Again, acting's bad, all that is true again, but this one's a lot more fun to watch and just laugh at than the rest. And there's a couple of sequels in Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 from 1987. The, uh, we, we did this on a drink-along last Christmas, I believe. The door of the mental hospital opens, releasing Ricky from its confines. He takes with him the terrifying memory of his brother Billy's death and the burning image of Mother Superior, the powerful figure that brought about the brother's violent demise. For Ricky, starting a new life means avenging his brother's death by whatever means necessary, whether it be the cutting edge of a shiny steel knife blade or the electrifying charge of a set of battery cables. Ricky is set in this blind journey of revenge leading ultimately to his mother superior. As mother superior prays in the dark, he suggests she say an extra prayer for herself because not even her faith will be able to stop Ricky. This one is a true Christmas classic. Watch as Ricky recaps part one for the first 40 minutes and stay for garbage day. The only improvement I would make is more cheesy Christmas lines. Yeah, he, uh, the garbage day line is iconic, but you would want more like, uh, you better watch out type lines from a killer Santa. And also, I always just, I skip Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 when I want to watch one of these movies and just go straight to 2 because he recaps all of the, recaps. He recaps all the killings and all the interesting scenes from the first movie. So you get that plus 30 minutes of new footage of fun kills and stuff, so... I prefer this one. I also watched Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, Better Watch Out, from 1989. Ricky Caldwell, the notorious killer Santa Claus, awakens from a six-year coma after being kept alive on life support by a slightly crazy doctor experimenting with ESP and other special abilities. Ricky targets a young, clairvoyant, blind woman named Laura, whom is traveling with her brother Chris and his girlfriend Jerry to their grandmother's house for Christmas Eve leaving a trail of dead bodies in his wake. Uh, this one, definitely not a Christmas classic. This movie makes some weird choices, like having Ricky survive the last movie, only to be played by a different actor with his brain in a fishbowl on his head instead of just being a brain transplant, or adding a plot line about a blind girl that is somehow psychically linked to him, but without going into detail for any of it. So, th like, they should have just had this girl with the psychic abilities brother or lover or something die in a horrific way and this doctor this is how i'd fix the movie the doctor gets the body somehow transplants ricky's head brain into that so we got the fishbowl with the brain in it in this new actor which is the boyfriend but now he's got ricky's kind of memories and urge to kill and then just go from there instead of i don't know whatever happened in this movie it was kind of hard to follow <laughs> I skipped part four for whatever reason, but I did watch Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toy Maker from 1991. A young boy sees his father killed by a toy that was anonymously delivered to his house. After that, he is too traumatized to speak, and his mother must deal with both him and the loss of her husband. Meanwhile, a toy maker named Joe Petto, like Geppetto, get it, builds some suspicious-looking toys, and a mysterious man creeps around both the toy store and... The boy's house but who is responsible for the killer toys this one completely unrelated to the other silent night deadly nights they're just 
using the title as a way to get viewers. There's, I think, Andy Rooney or Mickey Rooney, whatever. I think it's Andy Rooney, whatever the actor is, plays like the toy maker. And he makes a toy version of his dead son or something like that. And that's, and he's making all these killer toys. I don't know. It's really weird and stupid, but it's, it's fun. One of another fun, one of those like dumb, very dumb movies that you can just laugh at. That brings me to number two on my list, Krampus from 2015. So we all know what number one is going to be, but when his dysfunctional family clashes over the holidays, young Max gets disillusioned and turns his back on Christmas. Meanwhile, this lack of festive spirit unleashes the wrath of Krampus, a demonic force of ancient evil intent on punishing non-believers. All hell breaks loose as beloved holiday icons take on a monstrous life of their own, laying siege to the fractured family's home and forcing them to fight for one another if they hope to survive. So this is like a dark comedy more than a horror movie. There's like some scary-ish moments, but it's more of a comedy throughout most of it. We got a lot of funny actors like David Koechner and Adam Scott, and they all gather for Christmas, like Christmas dinner. Think a Christmas vacation. Everybody's coming to the Griswolds, but there is Krampus afoot because of the wish the boy makes. And now the their neighborhood is kind of frozen over and they're being taken out one by one by different Christmassy characters until Krampus shows up. It's like a gingerbread man and a jack-in-the-box and stuff like that that are attacking them. And it's really funny. And it, this is definitely one I'll watch every few years. All right, now I'm, time for number one. It is Black Christmas from 1974. It's time for Christmas break. And the sorority sisters make plans for the holiday, but the strange anonymous phone calls are beginning to put them on edge. When Claire disappears, they contact the police who don't express much concern. Meanwhile, Jess is planning to get an abortion, but boyfriend Peter is very much against it. The police finally begin to get concerned when a 13-year-old girl is found dead in the park. They set up a wiretap to the sorority house, but will they be in time to prevent a sorority girl attrition problem? This film gets a lot of points from me for inspiring movies like Halloween, When a Stranger Calls, and Slumber Party Massacre. It is deeply unsettling in the way you want, but the ending is a little unsatisfying, but still extremely creepy. Uh, Bob Clark is an interesting director because he's known for this, Porky's in 1981, A Christmas Story in 1983, five months later he does Porky's 2 the next day, and in 1991 he does Baby Geniuses. So he's got like the horny teen comedy, he's got this horror movie, and he's got a, just like a regular Christmas movie. <laughs> Two Christmas classics, but one's really spooky, and then the other one's A Christmas Story. And then Baby Geniuses, so what the hell. Um, I also watched the remake from 2006. It's very similar to the first movie. Uh, It's basically the same story. They're at the sorority house. It even takes place in the same location, same house is used. Uh, Andrea Martin is in the first one, and now she's back as like the head mother of the sorority girl's house. Uh, So I like all the references and stuff like that, but they also, in the first one, or the original, I should say, the killer's identity is pretty much kept a secret. We're just kind of hinted at it throughout the movie he's dropping little clues and his very very creepy phone calls that are happening throughout the movie and uh, we kind of just got to put the story together from there or uh, you can read like diatribes on the internet about like what's going on and I think that's really cool it makes it more rewatchable in that way 
whereas this the remake straight up like shows flashbacks of the killer and does some like really gross shit with that there's like somebody eating an eyeball at one point and uh, there's a lot of gross out stuff and just like that whole backstory kind of makes the character less scary in a way you know too much and it's less fun to watch that him skittering and scattering around the walls and stuff just less enjoyable then i also watched there's a movie from 2019 called black christmas it's similar plot start it starts out the same and then it kind of turn takes a turn and like it stretches out the beginning part to a point where it the plot diverges from the original it's set up the same where all the kids are <laughs> the girls are staying back for a uh, a christmas dinner just amongst themselves because they don't have like families or anywhere to go to for the holidays so that all is the same but then it takes the side road where it ends up nothing like the original which is actually a good thing because it makes it more of an interesting watch but essentially there's like a evil fraternity on campus that use some black magic to meet their full potential whatever that means and now they are kind of zombified and just killing all of the sorority girls that are staying behind so that the pa- I don't know, patriarchy <laughs> i kind of wish they called this movie something else because the title is a little misleading maybe they do it to get people in the seats because it's a recognizable name but also maybe because they're trying to trick you a little bit but Christmas barely plays any part in the plot except for that's the reason they're staying on campus or there's less people on campus. But aside from that, there's nothing Christmassy. It's more about a killer frat. So uh, I think the title could be a play on a frat name. Like say instead of Delta Kappa Theta, it would be D Kappa Theta. I know. But I love a good whodunit. Unfortunately, this is not one of those, but I still enjoyed it. It's also not really a remake either. It's something very different. And I think it suffers from being called Black Christmas. It leads the viewer to compare it to the original, but the only thing they have in common is the setting. I do like the sentiment of the girl power stuff, because there's a lot of that throughout the movie, but it gets... I think it should have. It could have been more subtle instead of just, like, to kind of jam it down your throat at certain points. But that is my rankings of the Santa Killers. I know there's a bunch more, and I'll have to do another episode if I want to get to them all, because I still got to get to the music... But if you, if there's one I missed that you really like, let me know. Reach out to us on social media at Drink and Geek Out, and I will try to cover that in the future. Also, let me know what you think of the ones that I watched, if you have any opinions. But let's get to the music. Merry scary Christmas. <laughs> this first one is the soundtrack to Night. Black Christmas from 1974. Taglines. This is uh, the only version I could find uploaded to YouTube is like uh, the full soundtrack as one record that they ripped up here. So it's, the quality's not great, but you get the gist, hopefully. Some of the taglines of Black Christmas will rock you too. I don't even know what that means. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. I don't really know what that is either. Christmas is coming early this year, and it's murder. That's a pretty good one. The sort of Christmas you don't dream of. I like that one too. 
"'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house a creature was stirring." Oh, here, the music starts getting creepy. That's what I like. They do kind of use Christmas music, and then it turns creepy. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, but it was hard to say that St. Nick would be there. This year, Christmas of another color brings a killer t on the loose. This little voice is, these are like the phone calls, essentially, throughout the film. That They're very creepy. I guess they're part of the soundtrack. Have yourself a scary little Christmas, not all at all like the ones you used to know. He knows when you're sleeping and he knows if you're awake. He knows. A lot of loud piano music like this and just it's all just extremely creepy and well done. It's a beginning to look a lot like bloodshed. Christmas is almost here, and an axe-wielding psycho is terrorizing a sorority. As it happens, the mad murderer also makes obscene phone calls, and he lives right above the girls. Okay, that just reveals the whole thing. <laughs> Carl Zitter is the composer and actor known for New Jack City, Moonstruck, and Black Christmas. Alright, let's move on to the remake from 20, or 2006, because this is too creepy. Similar vibes right off the bat, but more modern. Just like the, the whole movie is. Taglines include, this holiday season the sleigh ride begins, let the sleigh ride begin, the ultimate sleigh ride, terror is coming home for the holidays, this December terror is coming home, on the 25th day of the 12th month, one man will creep around your house and leave no one alive. This song is a uh, Black Christmas Suite from the closing credits, I think. So it's just kind of a... The whole vibe of the movie in one song. This Christmas, he'll treat them like family silent night evil night everybody dies holy crap last christmas i gave you my heart now i want eyeballs <laughs> told you there was some weird shit about eyeballs in this one shirley walker did the music for this movie after the first three final destinations so check out that episode for more on her Not a bad soundtrack. Let's see how 2019 compares. Here's the opening song from the 2019 version. The only tagline I could fly was Slay Girls. Uh, it's very dumb, but it, it fits the movie, but I don't like that terminology but it's got like a triple meaning so again very creepy soundtrack well done the composers are Will Blair and Brooke Blair and this is a song from 
called You Mess With The Wrong Sisters from towards the end of the film. The brothers are accomplished composers for film, television, web, and public installations. As long-term collaborators with director Jeremy Saulnier, the brothers scored his first feature, Slamdance 2007 Audience Award winner Murder Party. Followed by Sundance Cannes, Tiff, and favorite Blue Ruin. Getting them a public choice nomination for the World Soundtrack Awards in Belgium and inclusion in the AS whatever 2014 Sundance Film Festival. The Blairs returned to Sundance 2016 with Sonier's follow-up thriller Green Room starring Patrick Stewart and Anton Yelkin. The brothers work have continued to balance their work with tense thrillers such as Joel Kinnaman's lead Edge of Water and stark black and white drama Live Cargo. Let's get to Christmas Evil. This one is literally just somebody's record playing and video capturing it. So, uh, again, the quality is not great, but that's all I could find for these old soundtracks. Uh, Taglines for this include, you'd better take care, Santa's coming to town. Who's been naughty? The night he dropped in. First came Halloween, then Friday the 13th, and now this Christmas, you better believe in Santa or he'll slay you. Must be moving to a next track. This Christmas, you better believe in Santa or he'll slay you. Oh yeah, I just said that. Better watch out, better not cry, or you may die. Some creepy laughing. Hopefully you can, the microphone's picking that up. Again, I, I, I think this is a really good soundtrack. I wish that these... Uh, Christmas horror movies kind of utilized Christmas music in a better way. They'll either have it playing like just in the background, uh, or they'll do their own original music that is creepy and effective. I think this is pretty good because it's at least got the sleigh bell type sound in it. Don Christensen uh, from Candyman, Farewell to Flesh, Julie Hayward. No Other Work and Joel Harris No Other Work um, those were the composers and not a lot of detail on them alright let's go on to the next movie this is the end theme to uh, To All a Good Night from 1980 You'll scream till dawn is the only tagline. 
Richard Tufo is the composer. He is known for Three the Hard Way, Claudine, and Demented. But again, nothing else I could find on these composers for these small budget movies from 50 years ago. A similar sound to the other movies. Not much different, even though the, the movies are all unrelated. They all have a similar uh, tone, musically. Next, we have Don't Open Till Christmas. A present from the people who brought you Friday the 13th. Now comes Don't Open Till Christmas. <laughs> I don't have a homicidal maniac is loose any music his target is Santa Claus no one dressed as Santa Claus is safe for this one I just have the trailer but the trailer has the music in it so you get the idea of what the music sounds like Santa's dying some Santa Clauses ignore the warnings he surely wouldn't attack a woman Don't open till Christmas with special guest star Carolyn Monroe. <laughs> That's a good song. Terror drives one Santa Claus into a house. The taglines for this include the gift of terror that just won't wait. 14 unforgettable kills, the ultimate festive slasher. The terror is waiting. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house, not a creature was stirring. They were all dead. And uh, Des Dolan was Dolan was the composer. Alright, you get the point. Let's move on to Silent Night, Deadly Night. Here we have the main titles. Taglines for this. You've made it through Halloween. Now try and survive Christmas. Santa's here. I feel like that should be here's Santa. He knows when you've been naughty. Shocking, disturbing, the movie they tried to ban. This just sounds like somebody's banging on some... Glockenspiel or whatever. If a nightmare on Elm Street gave you sleepless nights, or if Halloween made you jump in every shadow, or if every follow, if every Friday the Thirteenth was more frightening than the others, then beware. Also have caught in the act. Patty Botkin Jr. was an American composer, producer, arranger, and musician. The tune, Nadia's theme, composed by Botkin and Barry Dvorzen, peaked at number 8 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1976 and became the theme song for the long-running television soap opera Young and the Restless. He was also a major contributor to Incredible Bongo Band, 
one of the most influential groups of all time if for its bongo rock album, which is one of the most sampled f- from records, making it a major influence in the origins of hip-hop. Um, you might know the song Apache by the Incredible Bongo Band. Hey, jump on it, jump on it, jump on it. That one. This, the music in this one is actually pretty good. I'm really enjoying this song we're listening to right now. Could be Christmas year, obviously, I've said that many times, but it's, I like the synthesizer and the 80s-ness. I also have the theme for Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Taglines for this, the nightmare is about to begin again. Prayers won't save you in the silent part of the night. Music, pretty similar, I think. Composer is Michael Armstrong. No more information on him. Now, let's see what Silent Night, Daylight Night Part 3 has. But again, I really enjoyed this song. Tagline for this, when your nightmare ends, the real terror begins. I don't know about that. Jay Stephen Souls is an American singer, songwriter, record producer, and guitarist known for Tommy Boy, Kronos, and Space Truckers. For those of you who, are, who don't know, Tommy Boy is my favorite movie of all time. Comedy, at least. Uh, I don't have anything on here for uh, part three, four, or five, but I do. Let's move on to Santa's sleigh. He's making a list. Pray you're not on it. Spreading holiday fear this Christmas. This is just a shitty cover but it's it plays at least at the end of the movie Henning Lohner is a German American composer and filmmaker he is best known for his film scores written as a long standing member of Hans Zimmer Music Corporative Remote Control Productions Lohner has, has written scores to various instrumental films among them The Ring 2 and Hellraiser Deader also from 2005. Check out the Hellraiser episodes for more on that soundtrack. See, at least this song is a Christmas song, even though it's a shitty version. Like, I wish they did more of that. Alright, let's move on to Krampus. This is just the intro... Christmassy piano. 
You don't want to be on his list. Dot 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 is coming to town. You better watch out. When the Christmas spirit is lost, he arrives. Will you survive this Christmas? I got another song actually. Let's go to Family Reunion. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Pretty solid, creepy Christmas music. Then here's kind of the goofy element. Move on to the end credits. Quite Christmassy. Douglas Pipes is an American film composer whose feature films include the Academy Award nominated Monster House, the horror film Trick or Treat, and the Christmas comedy horror film Krampus. I like this a lot. His brassy instrumentations have drawn comparisons to action music composer guru Alan Silvestri, one of my favorite composers, and his other orchestral music composer counterparts, Michael Giacchino, another one of my favorites, J.A.C. Redford, and Joel McNeely. His chance encounter with Gil Keenan at UCLA made him the perfect composer for the soundtrack, and composed the music on his short film, The Lark. Krampus! This movie earned film him the best original score for a comedy film from the International Film Music Critics Association. All right, just a couple more movies to go. Let's check out uh, Christmas... Horror story. You better watch out is the only tagline which they've used a lot. I like that they're using a Christmas song and making it creepy. Music by Alex Kashkin. And Elia Kaplan. Main opening and end credits theme sung by Nicholas Kaplan. So that must be who this is. I really like this a lot. I don't really know what to say. Sounds good. Wish it was in a better movie. But I guess they're talking about changelings. I didn't really notice that before. Alright, let's move on to All Through the House. This is the official trailer. Again, I couldn't find any music, so just listen to this and get the idea. Life was not the same when Jamie was taken from me. Tagline is, there is a creature stirring. 
Irvin Victoria is a Mexican-born film composer and orchestrator. Throughout his time studying at UCLA, Irvin began writing music for German and Austrian TV shows like Janice Wilmsberg, Tattort, and Emmy Award-winning movie miniseries A Day for a Miracle. He also worked as an instructor for Hollywood Music School and Musicians Institute where he taught music programming, Logic Pro, music production, and private lessons. In 2015, Irving was nominated for Best Soundtrack for Original Score of the Film, All Through the House. You get the idea. Alright, finally we're at Better Watch Out. Tagline is, you might be home, but you're not alone. This is a song called Get to the Attic. Does a pretty good job of being creepy. One thing I didn't mention about this movie that I meant to when I was talking about it earlier, the doorknobs are insanely high on the doors in this movie. They're like at shoulder length for a normal high-sized person instead of like waist height. Um, I guess that because it's filmed in Australia, I think, and that's normal there. <laughs> the doorknobs are just ha t higher than ours, but it really stands out and is odd looking. Uh, but to this music, I'm uh, pretty good overall. I have a couple more songs. Let's see what... Uh, Brian Kachia is the composer and story. T he's also a storyteller. There's a song called SOS. His work has taken him around the globe with compositions derived from immersive and unpredictable places, ensuring the precious language of his music is much more than just conceptual thought or functional detail. It is music that transcends the realm of art and reality. Overall, Brian's primary objective is to ensure the connection between the audience and the art form is firmly established. This one kind of gets the tone a little bit more uh, on the head, for this movie anyway, because there's a lot of like sneaking around at this point. But it's also lighter. It's not as scary. It's not really a horror film. And lastly, this one's just called Clumsy Attack. It would be Brian Catchy's debut score for the indie cult film Gabriel in 2007 that would introduce him to an eager audiences worldwide who were quick to embrace his unique style and sound in 2008. By personal invitation, Brian was asked to join the team of Hollywood film composer Tyler Bates. Here he is, he excelled in the role as composer, percussioner, mixer, musician. The pair enjoyed a fruitful collaboration on films such as Halloween 2, Sucker Punch, Super, Conan the Barbarian, The Darkest Hour, Killer Joe, and many more. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening, and like I said, if there are other Christmassy horror movies that I should be watching, let me know in the comments or email us drinkinggeekout at gmail.com. There I know there's a ton more. Also let me know what you think about these movies that I just talked about. But now I declare this meeting of Spookin' with Saf closed. Until next time, 
drink up, and to all a good night. Ho, ho, ho.